good evening, good evening, good evening, you guys. Thank y'all so very much for dropping in. This is Arthur Frohling Martin with Biblical Principles for Inner Healing. And you guys, <laughs> I got a good topic today. Uh, my topic today is called Don't Blame God. Don't blame God. How many things have the devil influenced people to do and we blame God for doing it? Well, I got some good news for you. <laughs> God did not do it, okay? And we're getting ready to prove it here today. But first, we're going to pray. Father, we just thank you for being together with us, for being in the midst of us. Holy Spirit, you put this, you dropped this in my spirit again today, this morning. Um, don't blame God. God didn't do it. How many... Uh, we ask, Father, that you take the blinders off our eyes so that we can clearly see what the devil is up to and we can be able to distinguish and discern what you're up to because you are a good, good Father and you wish that none should perish, Father. And Open our ears so that we can hear, Father God, because you said my sheep know my voice and a stranger's voice they will not follow. So, Father, we ask that you open our ears so we can hear when the Spirit of the living God is speaking to us, Father God. Give us listening ears and cause our heart, creating us a clean heart, Father, and um, renewing us a right spirit so we will be able to receive your word, Father God, with no distortions and no deceptions. And we bind the spirit. We bind you, devil, right now in the name of Jesus. We bind you because you are the author of confusion and there will be no confusion. It will be clear, precise, and sharper than any two-edged sword, Father God. It will pierce our soul, Father God. And it will make us whole, Father. You said, who the Son set free is free indeed. We thank you, Father God, that as your word come forth, Father, that we will be set free and the lies of the enemy will be exposed. For you said in John, um, John, that if we, uh, we continue in your word, we are your disciples indeed, and we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. So we thank you, Father God, that there is liberty in knowing your truth. For who the Son has set free is free indeed. And Father God, we thank you for delivering us and setting us free today. This day, I put the blood of Jesus over every listener, over our household. As Father God, as we go into the enemy camp and expose them for who he really is. In Jesus' name, that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And every tongue that rises against us in judgment shall be condemned. In Jesus' name, amen. So, good, good evening, good evening, and good evening. Guys, I pray that you share this podcast today. Please share it with someone um, that you know and someone you don't know. It's so important that we understand and know who our adversary who our adversary is. How many of you know that uh, uh, the title of my show today is Don't Blame God? God has been accused of some things that he did not do. How many of you know that we are in a new covenant? And under a new covenant, God has made, he's graced us. He has grace and mercy, and he's not. Yes, in the Old Testament, he did. He did used to tear down, um, you know, open up the, the, the earth and swallow people up. And he did all those things. Um, but how many of you know he's not doing those things right now? Okay, so let's not get him confused. Let's not get it mixed up under this new covenant um, that we're under where God shows us grace. God is not out to um, to get us. Um, God is out to draw us uh, to repentance, okay? All righty, so let's, let's just dig in. We're going to start with John 10, 10. 
I think I should go back. I should go back further than that. Um, where the war broke out. Where there was a war in heaven. It's in Revelations. It's in Revelations. Let's go and look this up, okay? So we can see how our adversary... Let's go to the beginning. Um, it's Revelations 12, 7. Okay? It's going to go all the way to 17. So let me see if I'm going to read it all. Um, um, I want another version. I want to make it e- this as easy as possible so we can get a good, clear, concise understanding of what the word of the Lord is saying to us. Because how many of you know without understanding the devil's able to steal the word? You can't have faith in something we don't understand. Okay, so we're going to look up the NLT version, New Living Translation. Okay, it's Revelations 12 and 7. We're going to start with 7, 1 and keep working our way down. It says, there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the world, was thrown down to the earth with all all his angels. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heaven. It has come at last, salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brother and sisters have been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they was afraid to die. You know, um, how many of you know we're not as believers, we're not supposed to love our lives to to death. We're not supposed to love, uh, be afraid to die. We must be willing to give up our way for God's way. Um, how many of you know this? It said they did not love that they uh, was, were afraid. They, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. And, um, as believers, we should not be afraid to die. Because as believers, believers believe that um, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But that's not what I want to uh, 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 zoom in on right now. What I want to zoom in, radar in on right now is that the fact that there was a war in heaven. Right. It says that there was a war in heaven and the great verse nine says the great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one who was deceiving the whole world, that he was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Right. So we know that the devil is here on earth. You know, him and a third, a third of the angels were cast out of heaven. There was a war that broke out because Satan wanted to exalt himself above God. That's why they why they was fighting. Ezekiel tells us, he said, I will exalt myself. You know, he wanted to exalt himself. He wanted to be God. And so the war broke out in heaven and Satan was thrown. The devil or Satan, he was thrown from heaven to earth. So I'd said that for us to be aware and to be conscious of the fact that the devil is in the earth. How many of you guys know that? He's in the earth and the Bible teaches us that he is the God of this world. He's the God of this world, right? 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 NLT tells us this. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So when we didn't, like, uh, before we became believers, it's because Satan, the God of this world, he was blinding our mind with lies. So it says, um, let's go again. Second Corinthians four and four says, Satan, who is the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. The good news, Jesus Christ is the son of God. 
Satan has blinded their minds. He knows who Jesus Christ is. He knows because he was in heaven with God. But he don't want us to have faith to believe in Jesus because he knows that's how we get back to the Father. It says they don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm building all this up because I'm trying to get us to understand and see and know that the devil is real. And a lot of times we don't hear about it and they don't really talk about it and all this kind of stuff. But how many of you know that Jesus dealt with the devil all the time? He was constantly casting them out. And he tells the word of God tells us in the word, 1 Peter 5 and 8, he tells us. He says, be sober and alert. Be, be, excuse me, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Let me go one verse higher. First Peter 5 and 7. It says, cast all your anxieties on him. Cast your anxieties, cast your fears, your worries, your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. Right. And then verse eight say, be sober minded and alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So this tells us here that the devil has to look for someone to devour. That means he can't just devour anyone. So what is the prerequisite? You know, before we get to that part, he's saying be alert and be sober. Right. So we need to be watchful. We need to be aware of his tactics of his devices, of his plots, his plans, and his schemes. So how does the devil operate? Well, we know that the mind is the battleground. I'm getting ready to prove this to you in a minute. Uh, But I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. I'm trying to talk to you about don't blame God, okay? Because God is good. I'm trying to set it up so we can be aware that the devil really does exist because, you know, before I became a believer, the devil was not real to me. I thought God did it all, you know, the good, bad, and the ugly. You know, um, I didn't. The devil was not real. He was like, you know, the red suit with the pitchfork ears, and I didn't understand that it was him behind the scenes the whole time, causing me to be depressed and causing me to, you know, uh, not accept Jesus Christ, and because um, he had my mind blinded, and I thought God was doing it, you know, uh, but it was the devil behind the scenes. And his demonic influences, his angels, he is a third of angels, you know, that was cast out of heaven when the war broke out in Revelation 7, remember, 1 through 17. Um, So he is in the earth. The devil is in the earth. The Bible says in Revelation 7, remember, that he was cast out of heaven into the earth. So the devil is in the earth. And so this is what the fight is about. This is what the warfare is all about, because the devil, the mind is the battleground. Right. This is where the evil thoughts come. This is where he he wants to put his evil thoughts into our minds and to fight the good fight of faith. The Bible tells us to fight the good fight of faith. We have to contend for the faith and we have to fight for the fight, the good fight of faith. So what is the fight of faith? Because the devil is defeated. Right. The devil is already defeated. So we're not really fighting him, but we are warned against principalities, powers on this coming against our mind. Now, I mean, people can be demon-possessed, and when they're demon-possessed, the devil has to be cast out of them, okay? Um, but here we're talking about demonic influence, demonic oppression, not demonic um, de- uh, possession. Demonic oppression, when people are feeling depressed and sad and down, sometimes it could be a chemical imbalance, sometimes your serotonin level could be low. But you know what? The Bible has an answer for every problem. 
Um, I remember one day I was uh, when I was going to my criminal justice class, and my te- and then the professor said, "If you could just get a depressed person to laugh." And as soon as he said that, the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher, he he immediately said, laughter is good as medicine. And this is why I tell people, this is why I love scientists so much, because they're only proving what God has said is to be true. Because anything that's true can be proven. How many of you guys know that? And so the scientists are in search of trying to figure out how does this work and what makes the sun rise and what's this and what's that. And, and in their search, God, and in their seeking and in their searching, God is answering and he's giving them answers and he's giving them knowledge to know these things. Because really, and so when they come back with the answer, all they're discovering is what the word of God has already said. <laughs> they're just now learning you know, laughter. And the reason he was saying that because laughter, it boosts your serotonin level. Okay. Um, your joy juice. So that's why you say if you can get a, a depressed person to laugh, but, the, but Proverbs has already told us that the Bible, which was written thousands of years ago, already told us that laughter was good as medicine. And that's why, because it does boost your serotonin level. But I'm trying to stick here. Okay, so what we're talking about here is don't blame God. A lot of you, some of you here listening to me right now is angry at God because you thought he killed your baby. He thought you thought he put cancer on you, you know, to teach you a lesson. And I like to tell people when they say that is, would you put cancer on your child to teach them a lesson? Of course not. Then neither will God. Um, let's, let's just go and see. I like, you know, God is good. He's not evil, um, but God is a good God. Okay. He's not an evil God. He's a good God. That really does mean something. You know, God is good. He really is. His grace and his mercy endures forever. It's the goodness of God that draws us to repentance. God is not trying to do evil to you to get you to come to him. Okay. That's the devil doing the evil. But because the devil is so defeated, what he doesn't, and ignorant, it's what he doesn't realize is that when he's putting all this stuff on people, it does. It drives them back to the Father. You know, it's not a whole lot of people that come to Christ under good circumstances. And that's the God honest truth. You know, I know some of you might have been raised in church and thank God for all of that. But um, being raised in church doesn't make us believers. We have to actually accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior to become born again believers. You know, just being in a car don't make you a, uh, being in a, in, a, in a garage don't make you a car and going to the building don't make you a believer. We literally have to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But um, what I'm trying to get us to talk about here is don't blame God. God didn't do it. If it kills, steal, and destroy in the new covenant, God didn't do it. Yes, in the old covenant, he used to open up the earth. But this is why we have to learn how to rightfully divide the word of truth. When we're reading the word of God, we have to look at the setting. We got to look at the uh, circumstances and we have to, the, the who, what, where, why, and how. Okay, we need to look at all five of these to see if what, what, what happened back then has to do with now. But the Bible says that we have, a, because some things did, some things came through the cross and some things stopped at the cross. You say, what do you mean by that? Okay, in the Old Testament, they used to have to sacrifice goats and lambs and all this, you know, to, to, for the remissions of our sins. But now in the New Testament, we no longer have to do that for our sins to be forgiven um, because Jesus Christ became the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. He paid for our sins so we no longer have to sacrifice goats and lambs, you know, lambs um, for the remissions of our sins. We no longer have to sacrifice lambs 
um, for the remission of our sins. So that stopped at the cross. You know, the, Jesus said, I did not come to do away with the law, but I came to, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law because love is the fulfillment of the law. Um, you say, what's the law? A lot of that is the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments. For example, when you're in the old, one of the laws, because it's a whole bunch of laws, about 600, it's a lot of laws, okay, in the book of Deuteronomy. But Jesus had, I mean, Moses just had the 10, but it's more than 10. So what, under the old covenant, what I'm, I'm, I'm explaining this to let us understand that when I said what I meant when I said some things came through the cross and some things stopped at the cross. In the old covenant, a lot of those law, those laws under the Old Testament, grace now covers that. Back then, you could have been stoned to death for committing adultery. Back then, if you had a rebellious child and they didn't want to listen, guess what? You could have stoned that rebellious child to death. But thank God for his grace and his mercy. The, you know, um, we no longer have to do that anymore because Jesus, he paid for our sins. And we're under uh, the dispensation of grace. We're not saying that uh, just because you're no longer stoned um, that you should continue to sin, God forbid, right? Because we're under grace, the Bible says, should we continue to sin? The Bible says, God forbid, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So even though we're not under the Old Testament and you're not going to be stoned to death with rocks and stuff if you commit adultery or fornication, um, but but um, the wages of sin still is death. How many of you know that sin, there's consequences to our wrong behaviors? Uh, there's consequences for uh, sexual morality, uh, AIDS, uh, all kinds of venereal disease. The wages of sin, um, if we run a red light, what's the wages of that sin for running that red light? A ticket. That, I'm just saying there's consequences to our wrong behavior. Whether we love God or not, I'm telling you, just because we're under grace, is that's not a license to sin because there's consequences to that sin. We're going to reap what we sow. The world call it karma. I don't get into that. I'm going to stick with what the word of God says. The word of God says that we will reap whatsoever man soweth because God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So just because we're under the dispensation of grace don't mean we go around doing stuff because we're not going to be physically killed because what it does is spiritually it kills us because when we uh, live a lifestyle contrary to the word of God, it spiritually we die. That's what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. They didn't physically die, but spiritually, because God told them in the day that you eat, you shall surely die. Remember? So they ate, but they didn't physically die, but they spiritually died. Now they became aware of right and wrong. Okay. So I'm trying to stick with this. God don't blame God. Okay. But I'm trying to set it up here so we can get a clear understanding of who he is. And why and why we have to understand when we read in the word of God, we have to rightfully divide it so we can know what stopped at the cross, what came through the cross was for us today and what's not. Okay. When we when we read the story of Job, but let, let me let me get here. When I told you that God was a good God, I'm gonna try not to get ahead of myself, but I wanna say and do whatever the Holy Ghost tell me to. But when we said that God is a good God, right? Let me prove that to you. If I say it, I should be able to trace it, right? This is how we know it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't will never speak contrary to or outside of his word, and he doesn't have to make up stuff, okay? So Jesus, um, let's let's go and prove that, that God is a good God, okay? John 10.10 10 tells us that the thief comes only to steal, 
and to and kill and destroy. This is the English Standard Version. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So here we see Jesus. This is Jesus saying this. He said that the, it's the thief. The devil is a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So how do we recognize when the devil is at work? If it's stealing, killing, or destroying, then that's the devil. He's using someone. He's not physically doing it himself unless a person is demon-possessed because to be possessed is to be completely, for him to be completely in control. And if I have time, I'll show you the story about the demoniac man. If you guys know about the demoniac man, he was demon-possessed, right? There's uh, several people in the Bible. I've seen people demon-possessed, knew a few people who have been demon-possessed, seen the demons manifest, to have to tell some of them to come out, okay? So demon, the devil is real. We have to get this so we don't blame God for the things that the devil has done. If you guys get a, get a chance, order my book, Exposing the Devil's Devices. It's online at Amazon. I wrote this book a few years ago. Um, we have to be able to distinguish good from evil and right from wrong, okay? The, um, that's a sign of maturity, right? As your children begin to grow, they, they're able to distinguish or discern, oh, don't touch, that fire is hot. They're, they're saying, this is not good, don't touch it. You know, this is what we're trying to teach our kids, how to distinguish good from evil, right from wrong. So as our children grow, the more they begin to know and the more they begin to discern or to distinguish good from evil, right from wrong. So we have to be able to know what's God and what's not. That's a sign of spiritual maturity, just like it is in the natural. The more mature we grow in the natural, the more we we're able to know right from wrong and good from evil. A newborn baby don't know that the fire is hot. You have to teach them that's hot, don't touch, you know. Or if they touch it one time, they'll learn not to touch it again. What's going on here? You're teaching them. You're No, no, don't touch that. No, don't do that. You're teaching them right from wrong, good from evil. You reward them when they do good, and you tell them no when it's time to, they're doing the wrong thing. Okay, so here it says, John 10, 10, Jesus said, that he was a good shepherd. He come that we might have life and life more abundantly, but it was a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So one way to distinguish and to know if it's God or the devil is look at the characteristics. Is it still kill, stealing? Is it killing? And is it destroying? If it meets one, if it's doing one of those three things, then you know it's not God. And um, uh, to steal, to steal any kind. A lot of times we think stealing of just stealing stuff, stealing, breaking in your house and stealing stuff. Well, that's one way of stealing. That's the thief, right? That's what a thief comes to do. Okay, but also, how many of you know that the devil wants to steal the word? Because if the devil can steal the word, the parable of the sower tells us that immediately after the seed is sown, Satan comes to steal the word. If the devil can steal the word, he can render us ineffectively. He will, he's going to kill our faith if he steals the word, right? And then if he steals our faith, if he steals our faith, I'm sorry about that. I thought I had to turn it off. If he steals our faith, surely, you know, our faith is not going to work. Give me one second, please. If he steals our faith, uh, surely the word of God is not going to work. So Satan cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. So now we know the characteristics. We know what it is he does. 
This is his agenda. This is his motive. This is what he does. He was cast out of heaven into the earth. So now we know that the devil's here. So what is he doing? What is he doing? What is he up to? What is the devil up to? The Bible says that Satan is the author of confusion. He's the author of confusion. Right? So Satan is the author of confusion. And um, so if God is good, that means he's not killing, he's not stealing, he's not putting sickness or disease on us, right? He's not killing us with thunderstorms because if God was killing us with, uh, if he was bringing the thunderstorms, um, then that means Jesus would have been working in opposition to his father when he rebuked the storm, right? Remember when Jesus stood up in the boat and he rebuked the storm? So when, let's not brace for the storm. Let's take authority over the, let's not just brace for the storm, but let's take authority over the storm, okay? So we don't have to sit around and say uh, religious things like God is doing his work. You know, you need to turn off the light. Uh, you know, all these fables and these lies and these man-made the doctrines of demons to try to make us think. How many of you know that if God, if you think that God is doing something, you're not going to rebuke it, bind it, uh, command it to go? You're not going to do any of those things because you're thinking it's your father at work. So if if God, if uh, Jesus said, I only come, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say, right? So if Jesus rebuked the storm, wouldn't he be operating in, uh, wouldn't he be working contradict in opposition to his father? Let's look at this story. Okay, we really need to get this down because we have a, a power and authority on things on heaven and things on earth. But we're not using our authority sometimes because we're thinking that it's God that's doing this. But I'm here to expose him to let you know that the devil is defeated, that the devil is a, a liar. The devil is here on earth and whatever we allow, he can do. Okay, God is not doing it. And a lot of times we say, well, why did God allow this? And why did God allow that? Well, he's given us power and authority here on earth. And our faith is going to be tried. And um, the purpose of the test and the storms of life is to uh, help us to know what we know. It's to test our faith. Do you really believe what you know? Anytime you study for something, you're going to be tested, even in the natural. Isn't that the purpose of going to school? The purpose of the test is to see how much you know. When your teacher gives you a pop quiz or whatever, the purpose of that test is to test your knowledge, to see what you know. Well, that's the same way in life. The purpose for the test, the storms and the trials is to see what you know, to see if you believe what you believe. So think it not strange when fiery trials come upon you to test you as if something strange is happening to you. You. But really what we're going through, other uh, other sisters and brothers in the world, they're, they're experiencing the same thing. There's nothing new under the sun. But the devil wants to isolate us and make us believe that we're the only one to try to shame us, to keep us from talking to someone so we can be free. Because so God can put a word in their mouth to encourage them or, you know, or whatever. Because every joint supplies a need and, and we need each other. People need each other. We're one body, but many members. So Satan wants to isolate us. Shut your mouth. Don't talk about it. Try to shame you. 
So, so nobody can tell you, oh, I experienced that. Let me tell you. Let me pray for you. Let me lay hands on you. Okay, but um, Luke 8, 24, what I'm trying to get us to distinguish is what's God and what's not, right? God didn't do it, so don't blame God. God did not cause the tornado. He did not tear up the place. God didn't do it because if he did, then Jesus would have been operating um, contrary to his father, right? So here we have Luke 8, 24, NLT. It says, the disciples went and woke him up shouting, Master, Master, let me go to 23. Luke uh 823. As they sailed, he fell asleep. Jesus fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped. And they were in great danger. Verse 24, Luke 8, 24. The disciples went and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then Jesus, who, who was in the boat sleep, got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. And they subsided and all was calm. Then Jesus, this is what he said to him in Luke. Please read your book. I'm saying these scriptures so you can go back and read it. Luke 8, and now we're on verse 25. He says, where is your faith? This is Jesus talking to the disciples because they, was, they said, he asked, frightened and amazed, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey. And as he is, the Bible says, so are we. How many of you know that we got power and authority over, we too can rebuke the winds. I, I've done it on numerous occasions when the tornadoes came. I'll, stay, I'll say, no, you can't come here. Um, because as he is, so are we. I believe that if more saints came together and started taking authority over the weather, <laughs> it will have to subsist. It will have to cease. I remember one time we had a hail storm, y'all. I'm talking about uh, boss, uh, golf ball size hail, okay? Hail storm. My neighbor across the street, literally right in front of my house, their driveway literally was almost even to our driveway. I mean, literally right in front of us. Their winch, we hadn't, they had no covering over their car. We had no covering over our car. I'm telling you, I stood up there, I began to take authority over this hell and say, you can't come here. You must go. You cannot touch us. The blood of Jesus is over us. You guys, I had took pictures. I wish I would have kept them. But my neighbors and the people on the side of us, people around us, their winch, I'm telling you, our car was not covered. Just like nobody else's cars. We, we wasn't in the driveway. But their windshields on their cars were all busted out. Um, we re- our, the cars were all damaged from the you know the hell beating on. We had no damage. We had no dents in our cars. We have no cracks on our windshield. How many of you know that the word of God is the power of God, and the word of God still works just like it did then. The Bible teaches us that as He is, so are we. Let me find that. As He is. So are we. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it lives on the inside of us. The word of God teaches us that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. How many of you know, we got believers listening here, that your faith should be being built because guess what? Believers believe. So I want you to go back and I want you to read the word because faith comes and, and hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God is so important that we begin to practice these principles. Okay, um, 1 John 4 and 16 says, 
and we have come to know and believe the love God has for us. Do you know and believe the love that God has for you? It's so important that we understand we have confidence and faith in God's love for us. Because when we have confidence and faith in God's love for us, then our faith will work because we'll be able to believe what he says. A lot of times it's not that we don't know the Bible verses. We don't believe that God loves us. And when we don't believe that God loves us, we're not going to believe anything that his word says to us or about us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, so we can know a lot of Bible verses, but if we don't believe what it says, it's not going to work for us. We're not going to see what it says if we don't believe what it says. We have to believe that when we lay hands on the sick, that's not just us laying our hands, but that's the Holy Spirit, God using us in the earth to, to transfer his power through us to them. He said, they that believe they can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. How, how many believers do we have? How many of you know that believers believe? Do you believe the word of God? Because believers believe. That's all I'm saying. You don't have to convince me of anything. All you have to do is show me in the word and that settles it for me. God's word has to have the final authority and the final say so in our lives. Believers believe. I'm trying to get it going here. Okay, so First John 4 and 16. Um, we're on verse 17, 16. Let me read it. I'm going to see if I can get all the way to it. And we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God in him. Did y'all hear that? Whoever abides in love abides in God and God and God in him. Why? Because God is love. Love is who God is. So when we're walking in love, we're walking in God. The spirit and the power of God can manifest and flow through us. Verse 17, in this way, love has been perfected or complete or mature among us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. We don't have to be ashamed or embarrassed or afraid, uh, but we can have confidence on the day of judgment for in this world, we are just like him. One translation says, for as he is, let me see, so are we. Um, here in King James Version, First John and 4. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Our body, for as he is, so are we just like him. Verse 18, I'm sorry, First John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves punishment. The one who fears has not been met. Uh, perfected in God's love. So um, this is why I say having faith in God's love for us cast fear away from us because perfect love casts out fear. So this is why you hear me saying this because this is what the word says. There is no fear in love. This is what 18 says. First John 4, 18, read it. For, read first John 4, period. First John 4, uh, 18 is telling us clearly. It says there is no fear in love. So when we're feeling afraid, we're not walking in love. We're not having confidence in God's love for us. We're to, we, we're to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Do you know and believe the love that God has for you? It was because God so loved you us, that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, to die for us. John three sixteen tells us that, right? So we need to have faith and confidence in God's love. When we feel fear, it says there is no fear in love. That means we're not walking in love or we're not having faith in God's love. Because when we have faith in God's love for us, fear will have no place in us. 
because what we'll we'll be believing, I believe, and I and I and I know, I, I believe, I both believe and know the love that God has for me. It's not just enough to believe, but do you know it? Do you believe and know it that God loves us? The love that God has for us. Are you convinced of God's love for you? Because when we were yet sinners, the Bible say Christ died for the ungodly. Or do you believe that? Are you convinced? And when we're convinced of God's love for us, nothing will be impossible for those that believe. You see, nothing will be impossible for them that believe. I am fully, I am fully convinced that my way was the wrong way. And I am fully convinced that God's way was the right way, that what he says is really true. I don't want my way anymore. I'm not trying to live life trying to figure stuff out anymore. When I need to know something, I go to the word of God to look for the answer because Jesus, and ask him for wisdom. Because if he says, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be open. This is how I live my life, by faith. He said that just shall live by faith, right? How many of you know it takes faith to live by the word of God? Because you're believing in a God that you cannot see. For they must first believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Even demons believe just to believe that he exists is not enough. But we must also go on and believe that he is a reward of those that diligently seek him. How many of you know that the word of God says that those who put their trust in him, he will not cause them to be ashamed? Why is this? Because it's his word and it's his reputation. And God cannot tell a lie. Okay. He, when he, there was no one else to swear by because he's God. He swore by him on his own self. Okay. God's, God, God's word is not just his promise to us, but God's word is him swearing to us that he will do, his word will do exactly what it's designed to do. How many of you know that the word of God teaches us and tells us that the word of God will not return void? It will not return unto unto him void. Let's read that. Isaiah 55 and 11. It says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the things where not to sin. In other words, if God said it, it, it that's what it is. God, God, God's word is his bond. God and his word is one. And that's how it's supposed to be with us. If we tell people something, we should try to get it. Do what we say. So we're not ensnared. Proverbs call it being ensnared by the words of your mouth. If you tell some, a man's word is supposed to be his bond. If I can't trust what you say, I can't trust who you are. And then I definitely cannot trust what you do, right? A man's word is his bond. You're supposed to be one with your word. If you make a promise to someone, if you tell somebody you're going to do something, you should try to do it. If you can't do it, then you need to call them. You need to text them. You need to do something to let this person know, hey, I know I said this, but I'm not going to be able to do it. You know, go go get your words because your words represent you. And if your word is no good, then you're not a man of your word. And people are not going to trust you if you don't say, if you don't mean what you say and say what you mean. Okay, and but in life things happen. So if you set, tell somebody you're gonna do something, can't do it, go back and fix it. I'm trying to stick with it. Don't blame God. So here we see we as believers, God is not destroying people with storms, tornadoes, because Jesus rebuked the storm. Okay, and Jesus was not working in opposition to who His Father was, because He said uh, the storms had to obey Him. He was not rebuking His Father. 
He was taking authority. Satan is the God of this world. Okay, so the principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness, the, Satan has influence in the world. Okay, the devil can make, can throw stuff. He can gravitate stuff. You know, uh, he can speak through people. Whoever, How many of you know, whoever we yield our members to, that's who we serve it to. So we yield our members to righteousness. In other words, if I make up my mind, I'm going to do the right thing, then I'm doing what, what God say. If, you know, God is telling me to do something. And if, if I make up my mind to do an evil thing, then I'm doing what the devil says. How many of you know that the devil operates through influence? He's not, fit, some, you know, don't get me wrong. A person's demon possessed. You killing somebody and they saying they don't remember. That's true. That person was demon possessed. They probably don't remember doing that. Probably don't remember doing this. This is so, it's so dangerous to live a life outside of Jesus Christ. Because when we live our life outside of Jesus Christ, we are not aware of the devil, what he does or who he is, right? Uh, The Bible teaches us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not. Our fight is not against flesh and blood people. Ephesians 6 and 12 teaches us this. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Did you hear that? The unseen world. The devil is behind the scenes, manipulating, crafting, instigating the entire evil thing. When it's evil, the strife, the confusion. The Bible says that Satan is the, God is not the art of confusion. The devil is the art of confusion. The devil is the father of lies. So somebody just constantly sitting up lying to you all the time. That's not them. That's the devil lying through them. But how many of you know the devil didn't make them do it unless they were demon possessed? What the devil does, how he operates in our lives is through influence. He puts the thoughts there. He puts the thoughts there and it's up to us to decide if we're going to cast down that evil imagination or are we going to say what he's saying? Are we going to operate in love? See, if we walk in the spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the the desires of our flesh. And when we walk in the spirit, when we walk in love, because love is a fulfillment of the law, right? So when you walk in love, you're not going to lie, cheat, steal, kill, rob. You're not going to do those things because love is opposite to evil. God is opposite to the devil. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil or by good. God is love. Don't let the devil, don't let the devil overcome you. We don't have to do what the devil tells us to. We have a choice in the matter. God gave us choice. He gave Adam and Eve choice. He told them, don't you touch it. He didn't make them out of robots. He even put the tree there. He said, don't eat. Don't eat from that one. You can have all of this. But how many of you know that's like our flesh? Our flesh wants the things that it's not supposed to have. Our flesh wants what's not good for it. But, so God said, look, you can have all of this. This is good, but don't touch that because that's evil. But he seduced her. We talked about that the other day. How did he seduce her? Through the lust of the eyes, through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. She looked at it. It looked like it was good for food. It was. It looked like it was, it was you know, it was, um, it was uh, good for food. It looked good and it was good for food. It was going to make one wise. And it was going to make one wise. He tempted uh, her when it was already in her. She wanted to be wise. She wanted to be like God, not knowing she was already like him. How many even know that we're created in his image and his likeness? But our fight is not against people. It's against the devil using people. 
He's speaking through people. He's influencing people. And most of the time, we don't even know what's going on. We're thinking it's us. I got to give you a piece of my mind. No, what you're getting ready to do is you're finna yield yourself to the devil. And you're getting ready to let him use your vocal cords and have you say those thoughts, those evil thoughts that's in your head. So you're acting evil because you're thinking evil. Okay? That's why we're acting evil because the devil has put those evil thoughts here and we did not cast down those evil imaginations. And so if you meditate on anything long enough, the Bible say meditate to do. Eventually you will say it. Eventually you will do it. The world calls it premeditated murder or premeditated. Why does that is that? Because he's saying you thought about it before you did it. Right. So the Bible teaches us how, how do we do, how do we fight this fight? When, those, when the, those, those evil thoughts come to our mind, which is not God thoughts, we, uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10 tells us we cast down those evil imaginations and those thoughts that exalt itself against the knowledge of God are those thoughts which are contrary to what God is saying. Okay, this is fighting the good fight of faith. When an evil thought come to your mind, just because it come to your mind don't mean you have to think it, don't mean you have to um, do it, don't mean you have to say it. When it comes, this is why it's so important that we get to know the word of God. We have to renew our mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It tells us we have to renew our mind so we can know God's good, acceptable, and perfect will for our lives. If we do not renew our mind, we're not going to be able to distinguish good and evil, right from wrong. And in order to know God's good, acceptable, and perfect will for our lives, we have got to renew our mind. So when... and when the enemy comes, because we're in a word war. Remember we talked about when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane being a fast in 40 days. I'm not going to go back to that, but I just did a podcast on that. How it was a word war. The devil spoke a word and Jesus would speak the word. For it is written. The devil spoke his lie and Jesus spoke his truth. It is written. He always tell the devil what was written. And that's what we're in. We're in a word war. So when the devil comes to our mind with these evil thoughts, this is why... Uh, we have to know the word because the word of God is our weapon of warfare. Remember, we're not we're not fighting against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6 and 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. That means this is a, this is a spiritual battle because you can't see the spirit. Okay. Of the unseen, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. These are different types of demons. But we're saying this, you think, you think you're fighting against this person, but, but the person is not your problem, it's the spirit that's in it. So you can take authority over that spirit, devil, I bind you and I command you to loose that person. You don't even have to say it to them because the devil is a spirit. He hears you when you speak. Satan, I command you to loose your hold off my children. Take your hands off their minds. Loose my wife. Loose this. Whatever we bind on earth should be bound in heaven. What we loose on earth should be loose in heaven. Jesus said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. And it's whatsoever you bind, whatever you allow. One version says, whatever you allow on earth shall be allowed in heaven. And whatever you don't allow on earth shall not be allowed in heaven. Or whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Okay. So he said, I'm giving you the authority. Love is, how many of you know that love is choice, not force? So God gave us a choice because he loves us. Okay. So love is choice, not force. So that, you know, that's why manipulation is a form of witchcraft because it tries to take away your choice. 
It tries to override your will. The devil tries to override your will. The devil will say, well, you can't come and stay here unless you do this first. You got to have this in order to have that. You know, I'm trying to manipulate you, trying to get, force you to do. So this is a, the spirit. There's a, the spirit of manipulation that is operating over this world system now. It's operating within this world system. We bind this manipulating devil in Jesus' name. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, the same way you believe what you believe is the same way that person believe what they believe. And when people try to manipulate, I'm talking about manipulation is a form of witchcraft. When when hu- wives won't have sex with their husbands because they're mad at them. How many of you know that's a form of manipulation? You're trying to hold something against somebody else to get what you want. That's a form of manipulation. We can't help you unless you do this first. Or, you know, I'm, I'm saying something even. That is a form of witchcraft. You're trying to get people to do what you want. So I'm not going to give you this unless you do that. We can't have sex because I'm mad at you. Well, the Bible says not to do that, husband and wives. Okay, let me get back on here. I'm trying to hurry because we don't have a lot of time. So the, uh, the devil didn't, God didn't do it. God did not kill your loved one, okay? God did not cause your baby to be born with a birth defect. Okay, let's prove this. Let's prove this. I'm finna find the scripture. Um, when the baby was born, I think he was born deaf or mute or something like this. And they asked Jesus, who did this? Did the father sin? Did the mother sin? Uh, did the mother sin? And Jesus said, neither one. I want to see if I can find that. Jesus said, no, neither of them sinned. He said, but um, this happened so that my father could be glorified. How many of you know that um, when babies are born, because sin is entered in, sin entered in when the devil entered in. Remember the, the war that broke out, Revelation 7, 1 through 17. The Bible say that he was thrown into the earth. Well, we see him in the book of Genesis. When he's hanging, when he's on the tree, because in Revelation he got kicked down, cast down. Genesis, he's in the tree, right? So there he is, tempting Eve. What he actually didn't physically do anything to her. He just put the suggestion. He put the thought there. He influenced her with her words. He tricked her out the truth. He led her to believe a lie. He said, surely you won't die. God knows that in the day that you eat, you're going to be like him knowing good for me. But you won't, you will not surely die. How many of you know that the devil speaks opposite to what God says? That is a deception. He wants you, he just took a word out. And even when people are teaching or whatever, whatever they say, you should be able, if it's the Holy Spirit, you should be able to trace it back to the word there should be some type of an example because how many of you know that nothing the bible says nothing new is under the sun yes i know in isaiah he said i'm doing a new thing but that's that doesn't mean i'm doing something uh completely different than what i did before there is nothing new under the sun but he can be doing something new in my life but that doesn't mean it has never happened before it's just it never happened for me and because it's never happened for me it's new for me but you are like um, now I'm teaching people how to text message. You say, nope, trust me. So it's new to them. It's not new, but it's new to them. 
So for them, it's new. But for me, it's not new. It's just new to them because they've never done it. They've never experienced it. Okay. But there's nothing new under the sun. What's going on now has already been done. The situation, circumstances may be different. We're no longer riding on horses and mules or driving cars. You see what I'm saying? It's a more updated version because knowledge is increasing and God has given man more wisdom and knowledge to know how to do stuff. Um, so God did not, God did not do that. God did not kill your loved one. He did not cause your baby to be born with a birth defect. I'm getting ready to show you this. And they asked Jesus, who did this? Who did this? Was it the father? Um, or mother? Let me see. I'm, I'm trying to find that scripture. Okay. Here it is. It's John 9 and 2. I'm telling you, God didn't do that. He didn't cause your baby to be born with a birth defect. But sin, when sin entered in, I please get my book, um, Exposing the Devil Devices, because I really go into details on this. Excuse me, I'm almost out of time. John 9 and 2. Read John 9 and 2. I'm telling God didn't cause your baby to be born with a birth defect. Okay? Um, let's read John 9 and 1 through 3. Okay, go back and read these scriptures. John verse John chapter 9, 1 through 3. Now, as Jesus was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. Okay, so that means the man was born blind. He was blind from birth. Um, verse 2, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You know, it was something they did that caused this man to be born blind, right? And Jesus answered in verse 3, John 9 and 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned. It wasn't neither one of them. They didn't do anything. But this happened so that the works of the Father could be displayed in him. So we know that Jesus, uh, God didn't do it either. What sin entered in. When sin, when Adam, when the fall of man came, the Bible says it was through one man's one man's disobedience that uh, we were all made sinners. And it was by one man's disobedience uh, that we was all made uh, righteous. It was one man's disobedience, talking about Adam's, that we were all made, that sin entered into the world. Let me read it on this version here. Romans 5, 19. Read it. This is my receipts. This is the Holy Spirit's receipts. Anything he says, he can prove it. Okay. Romans 5, 19. It tells us. It says, for just because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. This NLT. But because one other person obeyed God, many uh, will be made righteous. Okay. Let's go read another translation of it. Let's start at verse 18, Romans 5, 18. So then, just as one trespass brought condemnation for all men, so also one act of righteousness brought justification and life for all men. For just as, for just as through the disobedience of the, of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, the, uh, the many will be made righteous. The law came... And so that the trespass would increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all more. Where sin abounds, the grace of God abounds more. Um, so it was through one man's disobedience that many were made sinners. 
And it was by one man's obedience, Jesus Christ, that we saw. Okay, Romans 5, 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many? In other words, I like to say Jesus came to undo everything that the devil did. So sin entered in. We see it in the beginning in the book of Genesis in 3. Uh, when the serpent was in the tree and he was tempting Eve. So he, the devil, uh, uh, um, his power is in influence, the power of suggestion. He puts the thought there. Okay. So how do we know if the thought is from God? That, well, the Bible tells us whatsoever things are good. I'm so sorry I'm going fast, but I only have a little time. But pick up my book, uh, Exposing the Devil Fight Devices. It's online at Amazon. Whatso- whatsoever things are good. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, think on these things. So if the thoughts are not good, if the thoughts are not true, if the thoughts are not lovely, those are not God thoughts. Philippians 4 and 8 tells us, he said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, Think on these things. Even the word of God tells us what to think on. So if those thoughts are contrary to Philippians 4 and 8, we need to cast down those evil imaginations and those thoughts that's exalting itself against the knowledge of God. Because if those thoughts are not Philippians 4 and 8, those are not God's thoughts. That's how you know. Use Philippians 4 and 8 as, uh, as your guideline. Okay, so is this thought good? Is this thought pure? Is this thought lovely? Is this thought kind? Then this is not God's thoughts. So 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 is going to tell us what to do with that thought. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, King James says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, or every high thought that exalts uh, thoughts or things, right? Every high thing or every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. God did not do this. Okay. God did not kill, uh, kill your, kill your loved one. Cause we see in John 10, 10, he said, it's a thief that come and not, but still kill and destroy. God did not cause your baby to be born with a birth defect here. Jesus said it wasn't the father's sin or the mother's sin, but so his father could be glorified. It was because of the sin that was in the world. Okay. And when, when sin entered into one man's disobedience, and why do we say the man? Because the man is the one that carries the seed. Okay. And so when the one man sinned, every sperm cell in his body became contaminated. So that made things imperfect. So something happened in the womb, but it wasn't the father's fault and it wasn't the mother's fault. But in the end, God was going to get the glory. Because how was he going to get the glory? By healing the young boy. So think about it. You think, would God make the baby blind so he could, his son could, so he could heal him? That's working contradicting to himself. God is not a killer. He said, the thief cometh not, but the still kill and destroy. John 10, 10. I'm telling you, God didn't do it. And God does not do evil. And I wish I had time because I wanted to go even a little bit further into the book of Job. Um, the devil uh, tempted, came for Job. Right? Because Job didn't have the Bible. Job didn't have the Bible. So Job didn't know it was the devil. Right? So when he was saying things like the Lord give it and the Lord take it away, he didn't know it was the devil doing it. He wasn't able to read what the word says. Uh, Job 1 and 6. One day the sons of God came to present themselves before God. And Satan also came with them. The sons of God. 
the falling angels and Satan came with them also. It says, where have you come from? Said the Lord to Satan from roaming through the earth. He replied, remember Satan goes about looking who he can devour. Well, here he's telling God what he's doing in Job 1 and 6. It says, where have you come from? I'm about to end it here. Uh, from roaming throughout the earth, he replied, walking back and forth in it, right? Job 1 and 7, 